0: Right now on the Ringer Gambling feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite
1: futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas
0: City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. All Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a late Sunday, early Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Zestremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. I hope everybody, first and foremost, had themselves an outstanding weekend. I feel like my life now is just immersed in, in every little detail, every little bit of minutia surrounding my big day that's coming up in the next couple weeks. But, Listen, I'm trying to be a supportive, positive groom. I'm trying to be a hype man. Listen, just get me to August 25th. That's what it boils down to. I know a lot of people have probably been in this position, but that—that's kind of my feeling right now. Just get me to the big day. Get me on the dance floor. Get me shaking my booty a little bit, and then I am done, and we can celebrate life together and move forward. But like this, this day-to-day nonsense is going to drive me to drink. So that's number one. I just want to get that out of the way. Number two, Carlos Rodon, it's one year into this massive contract that he just signed with the New York Yankees. So I'm going to tread lightly in deeming Rodon, let's say, an all time Boston. And, you know, I don't want to jump to conclusions about what he'll look like three, four, five years down the road. We'll have plenty of time to jump to those conclusions. But for year one of a monster contract, this is going to go down. Make no mistake, there's no getting around this. This Rodon year one is going to be one of the worst years a player has ever signed in New York playing his first year on a monster contract. This is going to make Carlos Beltran's 2005 season. Look, impressive from a Mets standpoint. Impressive. This was, in many ways, a monster game for the Yankees. They win the first two out of three against the Houston Astros. Rodonna's is on a mound. The Astros know it's going to be a bullpen game. Like, you were really set up well to go and actually, dare I say, take three out of four, gain some confidence, and make a push here somehow, some way for that final wildcard spot. But your starting pitcher gave you absolutely no chance. Rodon can't make it out of the third inning. He's given up home runs. His ERA now on a year, and I know it's a handful of starts, it's 7.33. And then he leaves the game to a chorus of Yankee boos after leaving with a quote-unquote injury. So, Rodon now missed Let's get this straight. The first three and a half months of 2023, he comes back and pitches terribly. He is blowing kisses to Yankee fans like an absolute buffoon. And now he gets hurt again. And I have to wonder are we going to see Carlos Rodon again in the 2023 season? Going for an MRI, we'll have more details tomorrow on what's going on with his lower body, but you can't assume that you're going to see Rodon until at least the month of September. So, for a guy who is supposed to be the missing piece, the missing ingredient, the guy that was going to help you close the gap with a team like the Houston Astros, the guy that was going to take the Yankees to a different place, you've gotten zilch out of the first year of the contract. And is it Fair to wonder about what you're going to get year two, year three, year four of what Carlos Rodon is bringing in a Yankee uniform? Hell yeah, it's a fair question to ask. Totally fair and totally justifiable. He has stunk up the joint this year. Fitting that he's getting booed off the mound at Yankee Stadium. Like for a first year of a big contract, Beltran comes to mind Pavano obviously comes to mind because of what he went through and then he turned into the American Idol and I hope that we are not reliving Carl Pavano Part 2 with Carlos Rodon. But for the most part, when the Yankees sign these big deals, the juice is worth the squeeze. Think about it. Mike Messina had a good first year. Jason Giambi had a good first year. Gary Sheffield had a good first year. Even Randy Johnson, I know the cameraman, I know that Garrett Anderson's starting the playoffs, but won 17 games. I think it was like 4-0 or 5-0 against the Red Sox, which ended up being the difference in winning the division that year. So, Rodon, going to go down as one of the worst first years of a blockbuster contract we've seen in New York sports in quite a while. And for the Yankees, they go and lose yet another game in the standings to the Toronto Blue Jays because Toronto went up to Boston and beat the piss out of the Red Sox. So now the Yankees are four and a half games out of that final wild card spot. And the schedule gets really weird over the next couple of weeks. A lot of interleague games. You got the Marlins next weekend. Then you got the Braves for three. Then it's like a bunch of games with the Detroit Tigers. Then they play the Astros. And then like September, the Yankees season, it's like Arizona, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh. This is what you get now with the full-fledged balanced schedule. You're not going to have September games locked and loaded with all the teams that you're chasing. And I should mention this. Yes, the Yankees' schedule is off the beaten path a little bit here, but they have seven or se- seven games with the Red Sox, three Yankees' stadium, and then Ford Fenway right after the start of the football season. We'll see if those games matter. If they do, we'll be up there. And then they have six in September with Toronto. Will those games even mean anything for the New York Yankees is a million-dollar question because they are kind of stacked later on in this year. And something I heard from Harrison Bader today really pissed me off. Really pissed me off. I want to read you the exact quote because the Yankees, yes, I I give them credit. They scored several runs today, which is a lot for the Yankees. They fought back down 5-1. to I will applaud them for that. That's something we haven't seen much of with the New York Yankees at all over the course of this year, but this beta quote, I want to read this to you because somebody sent it my way, and I kind of favored it because I think it's it's clearly it's worth mentioning. We did a great job with battling back, so I think it will actually be a really big momentum boost for us moving forward, okay, no problem with that. you want to tell me that the offense found something here and that they can get going all right i I have no issue with that Mr. Banner. here's where I do have an issue because I guess. Harrison Bader was asked if there's concern with where the Yankees are in the standings. August, four and a half out, clock's ticking. Fair to say. If we keep playing this brand of baseball, it's going to be just fine. What? What what brand of baseball are we talking about? The brand of baseball where you lost two out of three to the Orioles? The brand of baseball where you lost two out of three to the Tampa Bay Rays? What brand of baseball are we talking about? Like, that is, in a nutshell, summing up the problem that I see way too often with the Yankees. This sense of complacency for where they're at, despite the struggles and the problems that are going on with the team, and there are a whole lot of them. They should not be satisfied with where they're at. Four and a half games out. What, because they scored six runs today? Let's throw a parade? You still have 14 or 15 guys on base. You had countless chances to go and break this game wide open or have the big back-breaking hit that goes and wins you the game and you couldn't get it. So when I hear a quote like that, it aggravates me. That's pretty simple for the Yankees. Chicago, they can't lose any of these games. The White Sox are an embarrassing team. Tim Anderson is having one of the worst years that I've ever seen. By the way, how about that right hook? You notice Tito Francona corrected everybody, not the left hook. The, the right hook that Jose Ramirez gave Tim Anderson, who is a total clown with the way he tags people, because that's been a complaint from a whole lot of players. Ramirez is one of the most well-respected players in all baseball and basically probably told him about five different times, stop tagging me like that. Enough. Reach the point of no return. Anderson tried fighting him, and Ramirez knocked him the hell out. Simple as that. And if you haven't heard the radio call from the Cleveland Guardians, it is one of the best radio calls. Little uh down goes Anderson, little down goes Frazier. I love it. It's fantastic. So the White Sox stink. They're a total dumpster fire. They traded off pieces. You can't lose any games to the White Sox. Then the Marlins and the Braves, we'll see. But I guess the goal for the Yankees, if you want to fantasize about getting in the playoffs, can you find a way to be within two games of Toronto, going into those six games that you play? I think you'd sign for that right now. I tell Yankee fan if you if you were going to make the playoffs, and I know, listen, that's the idea of not making it, what it might mean. Listen, we we've covered that, we've gone over that. But if you're just thinking about making the playoffs, I think you would sign for two out going into the final six with the Blue Jays. I, I think you'd have to what you've seen so far this year. Now. I wanted to mention this because, as you guys know, I work, in addition to the outstanding work we do here at The Ringer, I work at s Maybe some of you don't know that. I mean, you don't know much about me if you think that's the case, but whatever. We are now at a point on s y Channel of the New York Mets, where basically, for our intents and purposes, of doing the nightly Honda Sports Night Show. We're done doing Met conversations. On the home of the Mets, done. Now, something breaks, something's significant. Done as far as, I should rephrase that. We're done with the game-by-game breakdown of what happened Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the Baltimore Orioles. And that goes for this podcast. The Mets season is done. They traded off pieces. They have completely mailed it in. They don't care. We don't care. There's not much to discuss. You now have a situation where the Mets are playing out the string for the final six to seven weeks of this year. Now, are you going to be intrigued maybe if Alvarez is going for 30 home runs? Perhaps. Are you going to be more intrigued if a guy like Mauricio is given an opportunity to go play every day and what he can do and what he can provide in the big leagues? Sure, no question about it. But as far as what you have seen on the field, who the hell cares? I mean, the Mets nailed it in against the Royals, and then they went up against one of the best, if not the best team in the American League, and the Baltimore Orioles stuck it to them. They beat them every which way. They won close games. They won blowouts. They sweep the three games. So if you think you're getting a detailed breakdown on New York, New York, or on Honda huh, Sports Night for that matter, of what you saw this weekend down in Baltimore, don't count. Nor should you be counting on it because it would be boring irrelevant snooze fest programming, which we are never, ever, ever going to give you around here. So, Met season, don't, don't expect game-by-game breakdowns here on this podcast either. You might get a mention every now and again, and this is not an anti-Met thing. This has nothing to do with, hey, there's a Yankee guy, blah, 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 I couldn't get less. This is about relevance. And this is what I tell people all the time. If they're looking to get in this business and they want to do a certain job, a certain way, at a high level. You got to know what matters, and you got to know what's topical. And right now, unfortunately, Mets are not topical. This season is over. Wake me up in October when we're figuring out David Stearns, the Fader Buck Showalter, and what this offseason is going to look like. Until then, not much to discuss. I'm fired up for these joint practices this week just to hear about what's going on here. I think the joint practices, you will get more nuggets than you will in any of the preseason games. This is becoming the new norm in the NFL. This is something that now all of these teams are partaking in because nobody plays in the preseason. These joint practices, like last year, Miami and Philly had great joint practices. Both teams, it was like, wow, they got a lot of cooking. And sure enough, Philadelphia went all the way to the Super Bowl. Miami with two in the lineup with, what, eight and three? So. The Giants, I believe, are practicing with the Lions this week. And I think the Jets are going down to Carolina. I could be wrong on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. But we'll have some, I think, some juicy updates about what's going on with our two football teams. as that build up and that that lead in to the start of the NFL season. It's, I mean, if you're a Met fan, you're there 10 times 10,000, 10 10 million, whatever. And the Yankee fans kind of in the same boat, too, because they're out on this team. It's going to be a very, very highly anticipated football season. And it cannot get here soon enough. All right, let's take a couple. And then we're going to welcome in a guy who has always some controversial things to say and now is spicing it up over my former employer, my buddy Sean Moresh. So uh, well, let's hear some voicemails though right out of the gate. Let's go, stop.
2: JJ, hi. Dave from a touch-in. I'm the uh, local Astro fan As called before. I'll tell you, that game today, it was so frustrating for me as an Astro fan. I can only imagine what it was like to the Yankee between Angel Hernandez missing about 20 calls. Yeah, it was just like crazy. Uh, I went to the game actually Thursday night, and that was an actual loss, and yet that was like an enjoyable game. Like I walked out of there like, oh, okay, fine. But this one, this is like an unenjoyable win if there's such a thing. I mean, maybe you can relate to that. Anyway, uh, good series. Yankees are right there. I'll tell you, they're not, you know, a couple guys are getting hot, and uh, now it's strangely Judge and Stanton that I feel better pitching to than some of the other guys in the lineup. But anyway, take care. Good luck. Bye.
0: Listen, I love the uh, sort of conciliatory tone from an Astro fan that's probably used to doing nothing but embarrass and humiliate the Yankees. So, you know, if I'm an Astro fan, I'm annoyed I only got a split in this series, especially after what I saw on Friday night. And I went to the game on Friday night with the Great Eagle Eye Picks. Luis Severino. And I know there's something going on where Herman's done and... Now they're going to need another starter with Rodon and his situation. How are you going to keep running Severino out there? Severino is embarrassing. Like, legit cannot get Major League hitters out. So you're telling me the Yankees are going to find a way to the playoffs. Now, Cortez looked great, and that'd be a big boost with Garrett Cole. Fired up about that. But what's your rotation? It's Cole, Nestor, Schmidt, who is without a doubt their number three starter. And then who? Burrito? They're going to call Vasquez up? Are they going to honestly go with Burrito and Vasquez over Sevilla? I got news for you. Anybody is a better option than Luis Severino at this point. That's how sad it has become. Anybody. Have you seen Severino's ERA this year? The fact that barely getting through four innings and giving up like four or five runs is like a step in the right direction. If that doesn't scream embarrassing, what will? So I guess, listen, from a Yankees standpoint, a split against the Astros is better than what they're used to, but it's not good enough right now. And I don't know how you're preaching positives if you're Harrison Bader saying we're where we need to be if we're playing this brand of baseball when the team is four and a half out, they can't get the big hit, and they have not clicked and have not played well all year. So uh, I don't know what I'm missing. Maybe a lot. I don't know. Let's take one more.
2: Mike in Westport, very very depressed Mets fan. You can't even watch this team anymore. And I don't, I don't, I really don't understand why this has, has, has had to happen. It makes no sense to me. Like Cohen, to me, is like worse than the Wilpons at this point. He really is because he's he's just turning the team in, into dust. What I don't understand is like why couldn't the team go forward with what they had next year? It wasn't so bad to me. This is a down year. But to me, next season, the pitching staff could have been Verlander, who's pitching like an ace, Senga, who, who, who's pitching reasonably well, Scherzer, who's an okay number three guy, Quintana. That's not the bad four guys to have in you in your rotation. I don't understand why they, we couldn't go forward with that. And, you know, and, and also, like, up, look at the rest of the team. You know, We're set up the middle with Alvarez, Lindor, and Nimmo. That's not so bad. You're supposed to have like really good defense up the middle, which we have. You know, we have, we have Pete at first base, McNeil probably going to come back next year, Diaz coming back. They could have re-signed Robertson. I just don't understand why that team couldn't go forward next year. It makes no sense to me. It's like almost like we're supposed to like follow these minor leaguers in the, in the Rumble Ponies, and the A-League, and the rookie year. Who cares? Who knows what these guys are going to be in three years? It's just unbelievable to me that we have to watch this slop for this rest of this year. All of next year, even the year after. I mean, he spent all this money to get these pitchers. He overpaid them. They haven't pitched badly. Scherzer, even though he's blown a bunch of big games, he hasn't pitched all of that badly. You know, if you look at his record, you know, he's a he's a sixth inning guy, gives up three runs. That's not bad for your number three guy. You know, Verlander, he's pitching unbelievable right now. Why would you think he can't go forward and be your ace next year? It just doesn't make sense to me that you know suddenly. Can you imagine Gary and Keith and Ron? On the broadcasts, knowing that this is what they have to broadcast for the next this year and next year, maybe the year after, they have nothing going forward. I mean, I just don't understand. He, he spent all that money, and he just threw these guys out. He just threw these guys away. I don't want to hear about prospects. Oh, this guy is is tearing up the some A league somewhere, and this guy is the brother of Acuna. I, who cares? You know, it's just like I, I want to watch baseball games from the Mets that have some meaning to them. You know, and yes, this was a down year. So wait till next year. Let's see what happens next year. You know, we still had good, good players. And now it's just, it's, it's just a disaster. I don't know. So that's my rant. Uh, I don't know. Thanks. I love the show. Thanks. Bye.
0: Well, Mike, I appreciate the kind words. I got to take you to task on a couple of things, though. The Mets are going nowhere this year. That's where we greatly differ. And you could try and sell me on, hey, Verlander was pitching much better. Hey, Scherzer had a decent record. Scherzer's making $42, 43000000 million a year. And is declining. And has an ERA north of four. And to your point, you brought up, and I give you credit for that, he imported every big spot imaginable. Where was this Met team going this year? They were not winning a championship. They were not making the playoffs. You could try to spin it any which way you'd like. They had given you no reason to believe that the money that Steve Cohen had spent was a quality investment. So. They pivoted. And before you throw away next year, can we at first see what the Mets are going to do in the offseason? I, I think they're owed that, aren't they? Why should I jump to conclusions that, hey, the team is going to be it's just as bad next year? They're not going to be this. And you said it yourself. Diaz is going to come back. They'll probably add. I'm not saying they're going to go and spend $500 million in free agency, but they're going to add to what they have, and they'll go from there. They realized something that a lot of teams failed to do. They weren't winning. Last year, they gave it their best shot. They won, what, 100 games? But they couldn't win the big games. They lost in the playoffs, and they tried running it back with the same formula, and it didn't work. You honestly think that uh, we could talk about relevant games and having more fun things to talk about? That's true. Maybe they would have tantalized you a little bit more in August and September, but they would have fell short. They wouldn't have got there. They made the right decision. These next two months are just going to be really painful. That's all. Own it. Accept it. Don't get too emotionally invested. And I think you'll be A-OK and you'll be on your way. Like, this is a good time, honestly to decompress a little from a Mets standpoint. The season is over. There is no reason you should be getting worked up and stressed out about any of this shit anymore. Wake me up in October of 2023 when the new plan with maybe a new voice in that front office is going to start. That's when you can wake me up. As far as Gary, Keith, and Ron, they're going to have a lot of fun. They're going to do baseball cards. They're going to fool around. Chelsea. Those guys have seen some losing Met years before. This is, this is not totally foreign territory for them. What sucks is we thought we were out of this from a Met standpoint, that these days were a thing of the past. 2023 was a harsh reality that, at least for this year, they were not. All right. This guy now is a big part of the uh, new afternoon show over at my former employer. He's a good buddy of mine. He actually was probably one of my first producers. I ever had, and I always liked him. He's opinionated. He's a little zany. He's a little out there. That's why I like him. I like zany people. Sean Moresh of uh, WFAN, he does all sorts of stuff. I don't even know what else he's doing. He'll, he'll let you know. He's coming up. Hit a homer with $5 Dinger Tuesdays on FanDuel Sportsbook each Tuesday. All customers will get $5 in bonus bets for every home run hit by both teams when you place a $25 to hit a home run wager on MLB games. And the best part about Dinger Tuesdays, even if your bet loses, Fanduel will pay you $5 for every home run. So you got the Yankees in Chicago taking on the Chi Sox. You know who's been red hot? John Carlos Stanton hitting the ball out of the ballpark. I'm going to take John Carlos Stanton to stay hot, and he'll be my pick for Dinger Tuesdays. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Head over to your Fanduel account or download the Fanduel Sportsbook app by going to Fanduel.com/nyny to pick your home run hitter. That's Fanduel.com/nyny. Must be 21 plus and present. Select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theRinger.com/RG. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus bets that expires in seven days. Max bonus $25. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. I'm stoked for this one. We have not welcomed back Sean Marash in quite a while. Uh, a lot has transpired in your life over the last two years. Um, first off, congratulations. You're a part of the new WFAN afternoon team. I always envision big success coming your way. Uh, has life been any different, Sean? Uh, maybe aside from waking up early in the morning and, uh, you know, now you're on an afternoon kick, like, uh, kind of talk me through these last two, three weeks. Gotta be a whirlwind, dude.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been great. I mean, the hardest thing has definitely been dealing with any critics going, why can't John Jastrzemski be doing this and not you? I've had to deal with plenty of that. Uh, outside of that, it's great, man. I've been sleeping, which is nice. I've been, uh, you know, hanging out with my kids in the morning, which is nice. Um, not having to cook dinner at night because now my wife has to learn what it's like since I'm no longer home. Wow, so you're the
0: chef in the Marash house? God, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm cooking up dinner right now as I'm talking to you. Kate's got to check on the pork chops and the asparagus, baby.
1: Exactly. So it's nice to come home to a nice meal. But no, I love it. I I love the uh, the afternoon gig. I love the new chemistry. And honestly, man, I'm just stoked for football season at this point. That's that's where I'm at. Get me to football season on this show, and I think we'll have a lot of fun.
0: I totally get that. Sean's a big-time Giant fan. He did his thing Friday at Giants camp. He basically looked like he could be Brian Dable's double <laughs> and, and maybe could work his way onto the coaching staff. Um, For you, though, Sean, you're yeah. a guy that for the last 10 years has been doing national radio in a lot of different capacities, overnights, evenings, mornings, early mornings. Yeah. Has You've always been a diehard New York sports fan. Anybody who follows you on Twitter, I talk to you all the time, so I know the deal. It, does that make it an easier transition for you knowing, hey, I'm such a big, giant, ranger, Yankee guy that now I'm just kind of immersed in it? That's got to help with the transition, right?
1: Uh, I, I, no doubt about it. And also, by the way, part of the reason I think I was hired here uh, with Odyssey to switch over and go there. Yeah, I mean, look, did have? am I a bigger college football fan than I was 10 years ago because I worked national radio? No doubt about it. But I never lost being a diehard New York sports fan so because of that, yeah, it makes things easier, but it, it's a challenge and it's different. Like, I, I go into a meeting with Evan and Tiki, just kind of, all right, where are we at? And it's no longer big picture, uh, you know, what do you think of the NBA draft lottery? What's coming up here with uh, Nick Saban at SEC Media Days? It's minutia. It's why can't Stanton bust his ass around third? Why is Rojas, uh, you know, sending him? It's just the stuff that I would normally be having my own conversations in my own head or next to my dad or whatever, or like, you know, with you or anybody's about. Now I get to do that on the air where, you know, the people in Tulsa and Boise, I love them to death. They didn't give a rat's ass
0: about Giancarlo Stanton busting it around there. Uh, Speaking of which, as far as the Yankees and the pulse they have of the final seven weeks of the year. Listen, we text about it all the time. I'm down on this team. You're down on this team. I, oh. I'll ask you this because you're a good historian. Have you, in your years of following the New York Yankees, in the first year of a monster contract, think of a season that's been worse than anybody other than Carlos Rodon? Pavano is the only one. He's making a lot more than Pavano, but, like, dude, think yeah. about it. Messina was good. Giambi was good. Rodriguez, for the most part, was good. Dude, this is the even- worst I've ever seen. And even some of the
1: trades, like Sonny Gray, had some moments early before he was completely awful. Like he had a moment or two. Uh, and I don't know. That was a trade a little different. No, because honestly, you already get a sour taste in your mouth when he's out the first half of the year and it's quote unquote chronic back problems. So that pisses you off because you're thinking about how much money and how long you're tied up. Then he comes back. He has the blowing the kiss incident, which totally ticked me off. I don't care that it's one fan yelling at you and who knows what they were saying you got to be able in new york to be able to eat it not pay attention to it that really bothered me uh and then you know you come out and it just shows you how bad the mets are it's the only team he's been able to have a damn good start against in the process of it and i thought sunday was the icing on the cake i i thought it was great that the fans booed him even while he was hurt but you have a chance to finally win a series versus the houston astros and oh, by the way, end up getting a game where while the team was stranding runners left and right, they should have scored enough runs. And he puts you down, five, you know, 5-1 before you could blink. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And it's sickening. And by the way, Rodon was the one guy everybody pointed to if you had some kind of magic fairy tale dream about making the playoffs. Well, if you get Cole and Rodon, that's as good a rotation. Uh, the guy sucks. Uh, Even if they make the playoffs, how could you have confidence in that one-two? Give me Clark Schmidt starting game two.
0: Give me Nesta Cortez after what I saw on Saturday. And listen, the fact that we're even talking about a game two is so comical. Because listen, this is my big problem with the Yankees, Sean. And I heard this from Bader. Who Listen, it's a fine player and I think it's spunky. And if the team was like properly built, he's a guy hitting seventh or eighth. Then I'm like, hey, okay, they're not properly built. And therefore you need a lot more out of them. But like he was asked basically, so he was asked this. I want to bring this to your attention about the concern where the Yankees are at in the standings. And he goes, if we keep playing this brand of baseball, it's going to be fine. Excuse me, this brand of baseball, they're losing two out of three to Tampa and losing two out of three to the Orioles and not being anywhere close to first place. What brand of baseball are we talking about? And and it just shows you how far the bar has been lowered. Just getting out of
1: playing Houston with a 2-2 split is now considered a good brand of baseball. They couldn't handle the Orioles. And oh, by the way, they have now shown you in back-to-back Luis Severino starts. I don't believe this is a coincidence. They're sitting judge when they need judge to have a day off in those Severino starts. They are waving a white flag every five days knowing that they have nobody to replace Luis Severino and saying, if we're going to lose, that might as well be the game judge sits out. Well, what brand of baseball is that? You're guaranteed a loss every five days no matter what. And then it's still an uphill climb in the other games. The only time you feel confident. Now, maybe Cortez, you know, as you said, he pitched well on Saturday, is a cold game. Hopefully Schmidt gives you something Cortez. But, you know, even then, JJ, they scored how many runs today, still stranded how many bases. And I know we're taping this on Sunday. It's just an awful brand of baseball. And it's a boring brand of baseball.
0: This is the most down, showing I've ever been on them. And I don't Me know too. how anybody envisions them making the playoffs when, who are they starting? So, like, Severino, to your point, He's embarrassing. He's the worst starter yeah. in the American League. The fact that Brito and Randy Vasquez are better options, guess what? You Let's take jump. Severino out of the rotation, you get a whole lot of Brito and Randy Vasquez, baby. JJ, they have two of the four
1: worst ERAs in their rotation since the day Rodon came back. And it's Rodon and Severino in the American League. Think about that. ERAs in the American League for the last month plus, two of the worst four in their rotation. Yeah, that's a terrible brand of baseball. So, and I think the reason that you're probably the most down on them, I'm the most down on them. Plenty of our buddies, anybody listening to this podcast might be down. And if you're a sucker and a believer like my dad, bless your heart. Here's why. Where's the escape? Where is the change? And I know everybody say, well, you might as well root for them to make the playoffs because they're not going to fire Cashman anyway. Well, maybe they don't fire Cashman after this off season, but can at least be the first resume builder to wake up Hal and, you know, don't miss, if that means not making a playoffs back-to-back years, fine. If that's what gets it done, there's no end in sight until Cashman's gone because they're going to operate with the stupid luxury tax, with the stoop Star patch on. I'm not using, I heard you talking about that, not using any of that money. It's a joke. They, what are they going to do this offseason? There's no answer.
0: You hit on something. They're stale. They've been stale yeah. for a while. They've been insanely stale watching them this year. And that's why, Sean, there are a lot of Yankee fans. Like, I think we're in the same boat on this where it's like, look, we love our team. Yeah, in a perfect world, we'd love to see him in the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs. That isn't happening in order to get the sort of change triggered that's needed within the organization. It, it's all, And I don't know if they're going to get it to this magnitude, Sean, but it's almost like they need the quarterback, kneel on the goal line, like your Giants yeah. on first and second down <laughs> against Washington. They need right. that moment of embarrassment, dude. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know how it gets more
1: embarrassing than making sure that you obviously sit your star player uh, because he needs days off the same day you know you have no start with your starting pitcher. I mean, that feels like a baseball equivalent, but no, you're totally right. It's it's stale. It's just no end in sight. And honestly, this is the problem, too. Volpe's given him a little spunk the last couple of days. You know, had an RBI with the hit-by-pitch today. He had those couple big hits this week. How unfair were they looking back to the beginning of the year by not doing anything, not adding a left fielder and basically selling everybody on this is where it's not going to be stale. And the poor kid is basically taking the brunt of it because he's not Derek Jeter. So what's the deal? We're going to get sold next year that Peraza with a full year at third base or wherever. That's going to be the answer in the offseason. Like, that's not enough. I'm all for a young infusion. But can somebody get a little creative with a trade and the creativity not be adding Josh Donaldson?
0: Listen. They drive me to drink. Let's get to something that you're excited about. Because I I know this is like near and dear to your heart. Oh, baby. There'll probably be a meltdown. Hopefully, it's not a crying meltdown after a win against the Miami Dolphins in week five. We don't need that, uh, not in the least. But in all seriousness, Sean, is this the most excited and like hype that you have been going into a giant season since the Super Bowl year? Giant
1: giddy, JJ, as we like to say. Giant giddy this year. Uh, Yes. Now, look, I don't want to act like I'm basically the biggest homer in the world, because last year I thought they'd win five games. I am so high on this giant roster. I am so high on this giant team. And I think it's the idea that I'm finally looking at a real capable head coach and coaching staff with Wink, Martindale, and Kafka. But, I, I mean, I heard... Uh, who, who was the ringer gambling guy you had on? the last one? I forgot his name. Raheem. He's down who on got? the giant win total. And, and look, I understand all of this stuff. JJ, this team has added Darren Waller to the mix, and I understand his injury history. Jalen Hyatt has turned heads at camp. Paris Campbell was you know, finally healthy last year. Played with Nick Foles and whoever else at quarterback, Matt Ryan. Uh, Daniel Jones seems to be popping right now with the ball flying out of his hand. It's the most confident I've seen him. You, know, you were at camp the other day. I watched him at camp. I've been to the last couple camps. There's a noticeable difference in his game. I think the Giants offensively are going to move the ball here, and I think they have the opportunity to be a top 12 or so scoring offense. Which is huge. Now, defensively, I have my questions. Nickel corner is still a problem. You need Thibodeau and Ojalary to stay healthy on the edge, but with that, they're going to have a real presence at D-tackle. I think the safety position is going to be fine with Pinnock and McKinney. Uh, I think the Giants are going to be good. Now, the one thing that people are going to push back, win total, gambling, all this stuff, is schedule, schedule, schedule. I'm so tired of hearing about the schedule. I think the Giants are better than the Packers. I think the Giants are better than the Saints. They're better than the Patriots. They're better than the Cardinals. They're better than the Commanders. I just got up to six wins right there. There's a couple of, oh, the Rams at the end of the year. The Giants are going to have seven, eight games that you look at on the field and go, they should be better than this team. And because of the coach, you saw it last year. They don't lose to the teams that are worse than them. So I think at least eight wins there. And I think they're going to find a way to beat a couple of these teams, including Dallas on opening night. Well,
0: listen, they need to figure out a way to win in the division though. If they're going to take the next step as a franchise, Sean, I'm not saying that you're going to go three and one against Dallas and Philadelphia this year, but you need to be more competitive in those how games. About, I how mean, about you one know and three instead of hey, and well, four? Listen, one and three would be a major step right. in the right direction, dude. Beat the major. Commanders twice
1: to go three three, no doubt. JJ, that's why I really think opening night is telling. Uh, you, I could make the case because I did this. I looked through the NFL schedule week one or trying to find the survivor picks and whatnot. I think that you could make the case outside of Cleveland. The one team you will know the most about after opening day is the New York football Giants. Because if they go out there at home and they get pushed around and Micah Parsons is wrecking the line left and right and the team scores 13 points and they lose a game like that to Dallas, doesn't mean the season's over, but it doesn't really feel like they're going to take a monumental step forward in showing that they belong with that class. I think at home, the time is now to beat the Cowboys. I think one of the laziest football narratives out there right now is how good the Cowboys are going to be. I combed over their roster again. A couple really good players, not a lot of great depth, I think the time is now for the Giants to make a statement in week one and we want to beat the Cowboys. And I think they're a lot closer to Dallas talent-wise than they are to Washington on the other end. And a lot of people have argued the other way. That's the thing, man. If they beat Dallas opening night, I think it's off to the races for the
0: Giants. Don't you get the sense that if the Giants are going to take the next step as a franchise, it's the idea of, look, Dable did a great job with Jones. Jones took care of the football. They were great in close games. They kind of maximized, Sean, the talent they had on that roster. But they need to become, to your point, one of the 12 best scoring offenses in the no NFL. Doubt. Like, that, to me, is how the Giants go and improve this year. Because, listen, it's a scoring league. You have to put up points. The rules indicate as such. They're going to have a hard time winning games the same way they won games last year. They need more out of that offense, dude. They do. There's no,
1: there's no doubt about it, JJ. And if you watch all the Giant games, and I know you do, Their point total, I thought, didn't replicate the way the offense looked last year. I thought the the Giants' offense moved the ball pretty well. They had good, you know, red zone efficiency. But you look at the end of these games and, you know what, it's one or two games where they finally got to the 30-point mark last year. I think the difference is the explosive big plays. They didn't have the trust in parts of their offensive line, including rookie Evan Neal, and they didn't have big play weapons other than Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. Slayton... I love Slayton, but you can't trust him. He saw the big drop pass he had in the postseason there. Uh, we'll see how early high it's ready to go here on the field, but the presence of speed on the field, and I think on a lot of these third downs, if you know a big pass rush is bearing down, look out for Darren Waller. He could be uncoverable. They're going to hit on a couple of these big plays this year, and I think that's what changes the offense.
0: What constitutes good Giants season in your eyes?
1: People have said they could win less games but be a better team. I disagree. I think they got to get to the 10, be a double-digit win team, and really start to establish that winning presence. They were 9-7-1 and last year. It really should have been 10-7 if Feliciano's not flexing versus Washington when they finally got in scoring territory there. I think they need to replicate that. I think 10 wins versus what everybody else seems to think is a much more difficult schedule, and it is, but not impossible. I think that's it. Now, if they miss the playoffs and win 10 games, will I be bothered? Sure but i'll still look at that as a no, successful it's year. That's another winning year. Okay, exactly. what if they go 9 and 8 and make the playoffs?
0: I think you got to be okay with that, dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, and, anyway in the playoffs and how they do the 9 and 8, right? You know what i mean? Do they beat, win a couple of games they shouldn't have? Are injuries a factor in those losses because again, the McKinney Jackson injuries were a reason they lost a couple of those games. I'm convinced down the stretch last year. Uh that all plays into it. But yeah, you got to have a winning year here. There's no doubt about it, and especially we all consider this NFC week the Giants were a playoff team last year. You shouldn't be taking a step back in a weak conference or the weaker conference to not being a playoff team.
0: I know you're going to look forward to this. and I know it's something you're going to do quite a bit of because I know you pretty well. Um, are you going to be looking every which way imaginable to kind of rile up the Jet fans in your life? I right. feel like, you know, right now the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, they're having a honeymoon of all honeymoons. He's at Carbone. He's at Ranger uh-huh. Nick games. He's at... Broadway shows, you name it, Taylor Swift, the whole deal, that honeymoon will end very quickly if he goes and plays poorly against the Buffalo Bills. So I know you, you're a needler. You like to needle. It's part of your ML. I love you for that. When will the needling for you with the Jeff fan begin? Are you there already? So I'm there, but I'm not all the way there. I've I've left
1: little grenades all over the place. Matter of fact, last week on the air in the fan, uh, there was an argument. It was me, Evan, and Tiki talking about, Rogers handling of the media because Tiki doesn't think he'll handle the New York media well. And I already planted the seed. Let's not forget about the 9-11 conspiracy theory. I'm trying to, you know, dribble a little bit of that out, spark it. Here's the deal. Rogers is going to have good moments. There's not denying. This isn't going to be some kind of three-win cluster disaster. But we all know in your heart of hearts this isn't going to end with some kind of trip down the canyon of heroes. So, You needle, you you thread the needle early, and then late you hit them with the barrage of, I told you it was coming. So I'm going to start with little needles. It's going to really ravage up towards the end of October because the Giants, of course, are playing them at the end of October. And I am so convinced the Giants are going to win that game right now. I can see it all over the place. And then your boys, by the way, you know what? You don't want to see Mike White play. Mike White's going to end up playing that Black Friday game and beat the Jets, too. So these moments are going to happen, and my needle wire
0: is going to go through the roof. You have the Giants, it seems like, in the playoffs. Will you have the Jets in the playoffs? No, I think. They wow, are. you have the I Jets think, out.
1: I think they're playing for the playoffs the last two weeks, and they miss out. And I'll tell you, JJ, seriously, you know the concept. That's a
0: monster. Let me tell you something, Sean. If they miss the playoffs, Robert Salah should not have a job week 19. Goodbye. And
1: I don't think, and I don't think you will. I think Sala's going to be out. I think that's a big reason why too. We've all talked about the Jet roster and Rodgers. We have no idea if Sala is a good head coach. Matter of fact, I don't think he is. Uh, and by the way, some of these big games handle the clock. Think about it. I like your team better, Miami. I like Buffalo better. All right, the Chiefs clearly. The Bengals—we'll see about Burrow, but I, I like the Bengals better. And then you got to have a um. Who's the other? The stupid South winner, the Jaguars. It's five. I I think you get those five teams. See, that's
0: the thing, Sean. The AFC it is going to be a chore. There yeah. are going to be good teams, and I'm talking good teams with brand name oh. quarterbacks that are not in the playoffs. And no, no, I'm all over Cleveland. I am all I know. over Cleveland. And it's betting on Watson. I, there's no way in the world this guy forgot how to play football. When he was in Houston, this is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. Last year to me is a throwaway. That roster's good, Sean. They're really good. Yeah. So I'm I'm I'm
1: with you. I'm intrigued. I'm curious about Watson. I almost feel that way about the Broncos, but they're already suffering too many injuries. I also didn't even name the Chargers in there who they'll find a way to blow a playoff game, but they'll probably get in that six. I think the, the team I'm circling the seven, that's going to be a thorn in the side towards the end of the year. Tomlin doesn't finish under 500. He's getting year two of a quarterback here with Kenny Pickett. He may not like Pickett. He may not belong with the elite. The Steelers aren't going to go win six games this year. They're going to win nine games and be hanging around because that's what Mike Tomlin does. So I could totally see a scenario where the Jets have spit the bucket against a couple bad teams they shouldn't have. And by the way, I think week five, Sean Payton's going to have a number for Nate Hackett and beat them too Then Denver that week. I think that at the end of the year, you know, they could win nine games and be the odd team out based on tiebreak or whatever else. I really think they're going to miss. I think they're going to miss. And you're going to be looking at Rogers losing to one of these games that, you know, it's winning in like he always has at the end, including Week 18 last year.
0: And it's going to be the end of the Jet year. Uh, will you be bringing a broom to my wedding uh, in a couple of weeks? Uh, the venue is wondering, listen, your dance moves are going to be held to the highest yeah. order and standard and whatnot. Uh, will there be a broom with Sean and Daniel Moresh? I'm dying enough.
1: Well, I'll say this. Um, calls to the, the wedding hall have already been made. I know there's brooms on premises. The way I'm looking to drink at this wedding, knowing I have a good babysitter in hand, I would say the last hour or so the brooms come out, for sure. Well, you know, oh you will be out on the Uh-oh. dance floor. You'll be pulling on the suspenders. And by the way, your wedding is basically the gala of the summer for some of us, including some of us with kids. I'm not, you know, listen, Lake George and Sesame
0: Place go scratch. I'm ready for the JJ wedding. Listen, I'm ready, too, because the wedding planning is driving me to drink, bud. So the sooner yeah. we get through the wedding I planning mean, and, and, and I it's see you. forever. You're going to go on a second bachelor party before we go? I mean, what's going on? I mean, I did go to Ocean City, Maryland in June with a couple <laughs> of guys for a wedding that I am in. So maybe that was the second bachelor party. So listen, very proud of you. Continued success. Right. Um, I'll see you on the dance floor. And uh, we'll see who's going to be more annoyed at you at the wedding. Is it going to be Jeff fans or is it going to be Ranger fans? That's That's my question.
1: Yeah, my Ranger fans are my brethren. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of that
0: at the wedding. But either way, just get me hammered and let's have a good time. That's what I'm talking about. Show Moraes Check him out on the new afternoon show. My former employer, WFAN. He's a big part of it. He's killing it. And by the way, get Lou Gower on the Peloton. I mean, can we get him working on the Peloton? <laughs> we're, we're slaving away he's, Kendall, Kelly, Olivia. Let's get Lou Gower. Enough.
1: Enough. The next The next muscle that guy sees will be his first. It's disgusting. Fighting
0: words. I'll leave it there. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it, buddy. Always gonna be good for a laugh with Marash. That's a given. He's a good kid. Very, very happy for his success. All right. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, uh, Monday card, Major League Baseball. I'm curious if you have been digging in the weeds with a lot of the football stuff, futures and whatnot. You'll have to let me know on Thursday. But what do we got for Monday? Let's go.
2: What up, J.J.? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. It'll be for Monday the 7th. I came up with one baseball game. I'm going to roll with the Cleveland Guardians plus the 105 of the Toronto Blue Jays. Again, I'm going to roll with the Cleveland Guardians plus the 105. And let's see what you got on tap on your end. Okay, J.J., everyone can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, J.J., I'm out of here. Let's go.
0: Let's go, Jeff Money. Um, I have one that is immediately circled. Because the line makes absolutely no sense. And I think many of you are going to call me certifiably insane for having this stance and having this take. I think you bet the Mets tomorrow. Why on planet Earth are the New York Mets favored against the Chicago Cubs? Red Hot Cubs. Mets have not won a game since the trade deadline. They're 10 games under 500. Now's the time. Bet the Mets. They can't lose every game, can they? That is my Monday play. The New York Mets, minus 138, which I just locked in on FanDuel Sportsbook. I told you guys, each of these shows, I'm going to give you a future bet that I really like. I gave you the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC South. That is one I'm absolutely betting. I'm going to give you another one. We're going to a division again, and I'm giving you even more of a long shot. And I understand, listen, this is a long shot bet, so you got to take it for what it is. I know how good the division is. I know how tough the division is. But if I'm looking at rosters in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns, to me, have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. They're terrific on the lines. They run the football. They had a weird year because of everything that transpired with Deshaun Watson. Now you give me Watson, full training camp. I still think there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of ability. I am going to take a flyer on the Cleveland Browns at 380 to go and win the division. Cincinnati's the chalky pick. Everybody loves Baltimore and their defense is great. Don't get me wrong. Wake me up when Lamar Jackson could go and play a full season. And I think this is the year you actually get a little regression from the Steelers. Everyone thought it was going to be last year. Pickett won a bunch of games down the stretch. I know what the record is with T.J. Watt, but I like the Cleveland Browns at plus 380, remember I said that, to go and win the AFC North. So I'm going to keep dropping little tidbits of what we're doing from a futures perspective as we move throughout the month of August. I gave you two division winners right out of the gate. I gave you Atlanta, and I gave you Cleveland. Good job by Stefan. We will be back on Thursday. I look forward to it. Enjoy the next couple of days. And on that note, buckle up, because we're closing on a month. I'm inside of three weeks from my wedding. But we are about a month away from the start of the 2023 NFL season. What a thing of beauty. All right, Steph. Good job. And, oh, by the way, I wanted to mention this. Happy anniversary to one of my favorite television shows of all time. The OC turned 20 this weekend. I mean, does that make you feel old or what? Ryan Atwood, Seth Cohen, Marissa Cooper, Summer Roberts, Julie Cooper. The Music, that first season. I mean, all the feels. The break, the extended break from Tijuana until the baseball season and boom, picking right back up. It is insane that television show did 27 episodes for three consecutive years. Insane thinking about that. That's one of my favorite guilty pleasure shows ever. If you haven't watched it, highly recommend it. JJ out. Enjoy your week. We'll chat Thursday. Be good, everybody. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100GAMBLER or visit FANDuel.com slash in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 next Step or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut one 800 9 with 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700-WYOMING. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org, or call one 800 327 5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.